right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Contest Network, and I am excited to chat about a very interesting topic as uh, my friend Swipe Cam, he brought this up on X now, and I thought that this was fascinating. Who's going to be the best player of the entire 2020s decade? Uh, there is a lot to discuss there. There's a lot to unpack there, and there's still a lot left to go. This is, uh, in uh, some instances, actually the perfect time to generate some engagement on a question like this. Uh, thought that was really funny and thought it was well played by Swipa. And there are so many fan bases that are mad, let me tell you. So I was very happy to chime in and would love to be able to see what people think about this particular topic between Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Zion Williams. No, just kidding. Not yet. Thought we were going to get Zion, but I think that's probably going to be a little bit until Zion actually contributes like this going forward. Uh, but we'll see. He, maybe he maybe makes the list. Maybe he makes the list at the end of the decade. But uh, again, this is only uh, this is a very interesting question, and I wanted to be able to get it off my chest because it is once again the off season. So we get to chat about topics like this and have some fun. Uh, if you missed it, by the way, on Twitter X uh, and basically every platform like social media platform, Instagram, YouTube, uh, we've been releasing these videos at Mile High Sports call uh, like these short style videos, these short uh, form videos. And this last one was about Antonio McDice. And it was a really interesting story about how Jason Kidd, his teammate with the Phoenix Suns, was not allowed to be into the arena at Pepsi Center. Like he was blocked by security from getting into the arena to chase down his teammate. Uh, And then McDice signed with Denver. So if you want to hear about that story, make sure to go check that out. Lots of cool stuff, lots of interesting stuff that MHS is doing right now. And we've got a lot of things to cover going forward. There's no shortage of ideas for those YouTube shorts. So and those other short form videos, we're going to we're going to have a lot of fun with it. But without further ado, let's get into this main topic, the best player of the entire 2020s. When Swipa put together this. um, This question. He had three players on the list, and then he actually only had three years in terms of the like the actual time frame of of when that was decided. I personally, I think that beginning of the 2019-20 season is the decade, is the 2020s decade, because it's the 2020 championship. Most of the season happened in 2020. Obviously, that was kind of affected by the pandemic too, but I thought it was a pretty interesting topic, and I decided, hey, let's let's open that one up as well. So we've got the 2020 season, and then 2021, 2022, and 2023. So four years worth of data on this particular topic, and what it actually says, I think, is really, really interesting. I'm probably going to approach this in a slightly different way than what Swipe did. I want to keep the conversation open, and I don't want to just discount the idea of somebody like Joel Embiid or somebody like uh, Jason Tatum becoming that kind of like the defining player because ultimately winning is what defines the era and we still have 60% of it left to go from a decade's perspective. So let's focus on 
the champions and the finals MVPs to start. 2020, of course, the bubble year that was with LeBron James, he and Anthony Davis combined for that. 2021, the Bucks with Giannis. 2022, the Warriors with Steph Curry. And this past year, 2023, Nikola Jokic won his first title with the Denver Nuggets. And so right off the bat, you see a problem here. Like you don't have a repeat champion. You can't say anybody has dominated the NBA. Uh, So you have to go a layer deeper. Regular season MVPs by year. 2020, Giannis. 2021 and 22, you have Nikola Jokic. So, all right, you've got a little bit of separation here. 2023, Joel Embiid. He adds his name into that conversation. And if only he were able to get out of the Eastern Conference semifinals, then he'd probably be a more interesting conversation for him. Uh, Problem is that that hasn't happened. Next category, the consensus best player by year on major uh, ranking sites. I decided to look at the data from ESPN, Sports Illustrated, CBS Sports, and Bleacher Report as four outlets that have readily available lists at the beginning of each of those seasons. 2020, you have LeBron. 2021, you have Durant. 2022, you have Giannis. And 2023, it's TBD, but I think everybody's going to say Nikola Jokic. Um, that is that is to be determined, obviously. But I thought it was interesting that in each of those lists, it was unanimous. Uh, back in 2020, LeBron was the consensus best player, but it was by unanimous decision. Same thing in 2021, same thing in 2022, same thing in 2023 with all of these names. So what that says to me uh, for a variety of reasons is that there's a lot of groupthink that kind of goes into this conversation of who's the best player. Uh, everybody sort of parrots the same narratives, parrots the same discussion points. I'm no different. Uh, I think that it's very fair to say that, uh, especially after the bubble run, LeBron was uh, well within his right to claim that title. Uh, Giannis, uh, very interesting that he didn't get it after 2021. Everybody saw what Durant did in that series and had his toe not been behind the line in the 2021 semifinals, then this conversation might be even different. Uh, but he would like he did enough that he was the best player in 2021, as uh, was pretty clear based off of these ranking sites. So, uh, and then Giannis universally 2022, Jokic universally 2023. Really interesting to see Jokic's trajectory. By the way, he was about nine or ten in 2020. He was about six or seven in 2021. He was about like he ranged from about two to five in 2022, and now he's going to be top one. And I don't think anybody is going to be brave enough to not rank him number one, which is pretty cool too. Next, cumulative stats. This is another category that I wanted to get into. Uh, This is one where you can actually put the empirical data to the test. It's not about the winning just by itself because you win with a team. It is not just about the awards because that is a little bit affected by different things. Uh, Here's what it says for the cumulative stats. Luka Doncic leads the NBA so far in total points in the 2020s. And I don't think that's going to change. I think that he's going to continue to get better. And he is healthy enough and young enough right now that it just would not surprise me that he would lead the entire decade in points. I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan led in the 90s. I believe that Kobe Bryant led in the 2000s. 
I could be wrong about that. I believe that LeBron leads in the 2010s because of Durant's injuries. And in the 2020s, I think it's going to be Luka. Uh, Alex English, by the way, leading scorer of the 1980s, who uh, there might be something about Alex English coming across your timeline here pretty soon. Make sure to stay tuned. Uh, But I think that that is at least a good place to start for cumulative stuff. And it's a, I think it's a bode to Luka Doncic that he could rise up this conversation really, really quickly. And as long as he gets a a functioning team around him, then it would not surprise me if he is in the top three of this conversation when it's all said and done and might be at the top. Uh, Rebounds, Rudy Gobert, although Jokic is second here. Assists is Trey Young, but Jokic is also second here. By the way, Jokic was about fifth in total points in uh, this entire decade so far. And while I do think that his personality will lead him to start scoring less as he gets older, he's not going to try to score as many points going forward as much as Jamal probably will, Michael Porter probably will. I think that Jokic is still going to be in the top five over the course of points. And my guess is that he probably doesn't catch Trey, but he probably will catch Rudy in terms of the actual cumulative um, number of rebounds that he has. And true shooting percentage, I thought this one was interesting. If you have the minimum number of minutes at 4,000, it's Kevin Durant with 65.6 true shooting. If you have it as 5,000, because Kevin Durant has played 4,800 minutes in the last four years, then it is Nikola Jokic at 65.4. So I would probably give that nod to Jokic. He leads in win shares as well. He leads in box plus minus as well. So you start to see where Jokic has really separated himself in a lot of these categories over the course of the decade. And I think that he is trending in that direction. He's kind of uh, been beneath the surface of the conversation for much of this time. But now that he's won a championship and two MVPs, uh, it's very possible that people say, yeah, you know, he's pretty, pretty good. He might be the player of the decade. But here's what I'm going to go with. Who has been the top player so far? I compiled a list of 10 names that have been, I think, the best 10 players of the last four years. Four years only. It is not the last 10 years. It is not the last uh, three years. It is the last four years, which includes the 1920 season, the 2021 season, the 21-22 season, and the 22-23 season this past year. Number one is Nikola Jokic. Number three, or number two is Giannis. Number three is Curry. Number four is Luka. Number five is Embiid. Number six is LeBron. Number seven is Durant. Number eight is Butler. Number nine is Tatum. And number 10 is Damian Lillard. I think that this is a pretty fair list based off of what's happened, based off of what is like, not not likely, but like you factor in the winning, you factor in the stats, you factor in uh, the culmination of four years worth of data and results and the impressions of everybody. And I think that this is a fair list. Durant hasn't had enough time over the course of these last four years to really jump up this conversation. LeBron, he has been uh, like 2020-21, 21-22. Those were two not great years when it comes to the Lakers. But LeBron was good in that first year, not so good in that second year. 
Uh, and then this last year, he bounced back and, and deserves some credit for that, but it's not enough to really crack the top five. I think the top five is really easy to figure out. Jokic, Giannis, Curry, Luka, and Embiid. Uh, those have been the five names that I think you have to put at the top here. Uh, Jimmy Butler deserves some credit. Jason Tatum deserves some credit too. Uh, maybe Tatum even deserves to be higher on this list, but uh, I, I thought that LeBron and Durant deserved that because of their status as best player in the league back in 2020 and 21, respectively. Dame, I think, gets onto here because of his overall levels of production. Although the playoffs have not been kind to Dame over the course of these last four years, maybe they will be kinder going forward. And it's one of the things that I want to make sure that he gets a mention on here, because if he does get traded to Miami and immediately wins a title this next year, then you start to think about Damian Lillard a little bit differently. You look at the stats that he's put up over the course of his entire career, and now you add a title with that, and you start to think, man, he might be one of the you know, 10 best point guards ever, at least. Uh, so it's a very interesting conversation there, and he deserves some mention. The cases of those guys that should strengthen over the course of these next six years are Jokic, Giannis, Luka, and Tatum. Those are guys that I think will be good for, if not the entire length of the decade, the vast majority of it. And they're, they're young enough that you could expect them to continue to grow, maybe win more titles, things like that. Cases that should weaken over these next six years are LeBron, Durant, and Butler. I think Butler is going to, uh, he's definitely going to have some age-related regression for sure. LeBron and Durant, obviously those guys are nearing the end of their careers. Uh, it, it's going to be really difficult for them to raise their profile given what those guys have actually done. Uh, but I am very curious to see whether others disagree. And then to be determined, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid. I think this is a an important category here. Like I, I, I don't know if I was talking to a couple of other people about this, including my brother. If Steph Curry actually wins a title in this next year, he might be elevated over Magic Johnson in terms of the actual like, like what what he's done in the league and his standing in the league. That is a debate that is currently raging, and it has both Lakers fans and Warriors fans incensed online. Some of them are the same person. Um, Steph Curry is awesome, and if he won his fifth title, or hypothetically he won his third MVP award, then that could really elevate him in a lot of cases. And Joel Embiid, if he actually raises up in terms of winning another, like winning a title, or he wins another MVP or something like that, then uh, that would be a strong benefit to him over the course of this decade. Do I expect that? No. But kind of like Dame, it's it's at least possible. So should be interesting there. And then some young players that I think could actually crash this party, or at least have a possibility to crash this party. Devin Booker is still young enough that and, and still getting better that I think that he could raise into this uh, grouping by the time it's all said and done. His actual numbers, his advanced numbers, the playmaking for others, it hasn't been at the requisite level that it should be, but he is starting to figure that out. And if he continues, let's say he wins a title or two, and there's no reason why he can't with the, the formula that the Suns have, then it would not surprise me that Devin Booker actually rises up. I have Wemby on this list for obvious reasons. 
He will only have six years in the NBA by the time the decade is over, but it's enough time that I think he deserves at least a mention. Shea Gilders Alexander, been really good already. I had like average like 31 points per game this last year. What if the Thunder are just really good for the rest of the decade and he wins a title or two? Like that could really change the conversation. Zion Williamson, if he ever gets healthy and ever gets his head on straight, that would make sense. Donovan Mitchell, I mentioned in this conversation. I don't know if he's actually good enough, but I wanted to mention him. He's ninth in total points in the decade so far, and he's playing on a Cleveland team right now that if they were to win the title, then either he or Evan Mobley is likely going to be the main cause of that. So if it is Donovan Mitchell and he averages like 30 points per game in a finals or something like that, then uh, that's that's a, that's a strong indicator. So that's a possibility. Trey Young, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, other young players that I think could be there. Ant's numbers from an efficiency standpoint, from a metric standpoint, have not been good. They've certainly not been good enough to get him into this conversation. However, uh, he looks like he's a player taking the leap. I compared him to Dwayne Wade online over the course of the last couple of days after seeing what he did with Team USA. He does feel like a Team USA kind of breakout candidate. So if he does raise up another level and become an MVP, then I could see him absolutely crashing that conversation. But in review, right now, I think Jokic, Giannis, Curry, Luka, Embiid, LeBron, Durant, Butler, Tatum, and Dean are the top 10 players of the decade so far. I think that by the time this is all said and done, I think that it will be Nikola Jokic. I think that he's the guy. If you are looking for a player that actually defines what's going on, I think that the Nuggets are going to win another two championships during this decade. Maybe they win one. Maybe they win zero. Maybe they win three. Who knows? But I do think that what Jokic has done and and how he will continue to age throughout his career, he's just going to get smarter. He's not going to get dumber. Uh, and he's going to get better in a lot of different categories. I think that defense is a lot of times it's a positional thing. And as long as he keeps up his physical fitness, I think that he will be a just fine defender over the course of the next six years. As he gets up into his early to mid 30s, it'll probably fall off a little bit and he'll be criticized for a lot of the same reasons that he was early on in his career. But I do think that he is the guy. Uh, Giannis, as my brother mentioned to me earlier, probably won't stay at this level from an athleticism standpoint for the next six years. He is 28, so it's not like like, like he could be this athletic for his next four years, and that might be enough. Uh, and also, he could continue to develop that jumper. It's fallen off these last couple of years, but it was at a good point over the course of the previous two. So there is at least a possibility that he jumps back into this conversation as I think he's going to transition to center full-time going forward. Uh, maybe not this next year with Brook Lopez in tow, but he's going to play a lot more center. And then Luca is the other guy that I think really has to be mentioned here. It's going to be Jokic, Giannis, and Luca if Luca can figure some things out. I do think that Steph is still at the age where he could absolutely be a part of this. He could absolutely be a part of this conversation. And I am very curious to see where he ultimately ends up. 
you know that the Golden State fan mafia is going to keep elevating him. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a fan base as rabid as Steph Curry fans, which is nuts, uh, but also not really surprising. <laughs> like he, he's awesome. He's, he's great and deserves the love. But if I were to handicap it, I think over the next six years, I think that Jokic will end up being the top player of the decade, followed by, we'll go Luka Doncic, and then Giannis after that. That would be my top three. And Embiid, we'll, we'll see what happens with him from an injury standpoint and, and whether he could recover from uh, some of the latest turmoil that the Sixers are facing, but I don't see it ultimately panning out that way. I think it will be Jokic, then Luka, then Giannis. And so we'll see what happens. All right, let me know down in the comments if I got it right. Uh, when we come back, we are going to chat about the biggest threats to the Denver Nuggets winning a championship in the 2023-24 season. But first, everybody, you hear that? You hear that? That is the sound of football coming back. And now is the time and place uh, to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your money uh, at Superbook with that promo code all you got to do is use that promo code MILEHIGH, and they'll match your $250. Don't miss out on this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and the promo code MILEHIGH. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Jackson Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast? Uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now, and I absolutely appreciate seeing the growth of the MHS YouTube channel. I know that Swipe has been doing a great job on here. Cody Work's been doing a great job on here. We've got a lot of great content for you, and I hope that you're, you're indulging as much as you probably should. All right. Biggest threats to win the 2020 or to the Denver Nuggets to win the 2023-24 NBA championship and repeat as title winners. I think that this is an interesting conversation and will continue to evolve, obviously. This may or may not be the right time to actually talk about it, but I just asked the question online and wanted to uh, get some input on here as to what, what people are actually saying. The most common answer when I asked on Twitter or X uh, from Nuggets fans was health. It was health. It was staying healthy as Jokic, uh, Murray, Porter, Aaron Gordon, uh, hypothetically KCP. I don't think that that's as much of a concern as, as many people do, but I think that health is probably the biggest concern. And I think a lot of people share that sentiment. Uh, five 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 ish in the comments says the biggest threat to the Nuggets winning again is themselves, and it's totally fair. It is a totally fair point, and one that I think Nuggets fans all all feel pretty strongly. A lot of it is because Nuggets fans don't really respect the rest of the competition, and I'm not gonna lie, it's probably fair. It's probably a fair point of view because I don't think a lot of these teams have built their team in the right way to challenge Denver. How many teams have actually 
loaded up on the talent to maximize their chances of taking down Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. I don't think a lot of them have. And as a result, I think that's a it's an important part of the conversation. Like, let's let's just go through it. Actually, before we go through it, let's let's go through these other teams. The other most common opponents that people have talked about were the Phoenix Suns and the Boston Celtics. We'll talk about the Suns first. I think that that is probably the right answer, just because they could stop Denver before getting to the NBA Finals. I think that once Denver does get to the NBA Finals, if they were to, then a team in the East is probably not going to be the team to stop them because it is really hard to stop Nikola Jokic when you have not been seeing him for three to four times a year for several years. Uh, and a lot of these teams have a lot of these teams have their own game plans, and that that would be my own personal opinion. But who knows? I think the Suns are probably the right answer, though, and it was probably the team that was answered the most by uh, people on X, and that is a important piece of this because they trade for Bradley Beal, they retain DeAndre Ayton, you've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and if you just have those four on the court, then you've got a really, really good squad. One of the reasons why Denver beat them the way that they did was because Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they got tired. They wore down. They got a little bit banged up by the end of that series. And asking those guys to carry the entire load when Chris Paul wasn't able to, DeAndre Ayton ultimately got injured, that was a big problem. Instead of having to rely on Chris Paul again, which he's proven to not be reliable in the playoffs for obvious reasons, it's very old. Instead of relying on him, the Suns are going to rely on Bradley Beal. And I think that that's the right course of action. Beal is good. He is a really, really good player. Do I think that he's a great player? No. Do I think that he's better than somebody like Jamal Murray? No. But do I think that he can score 30 points in a playoff game? Absolutely. And if you just ask him to score 20 points in a playoff game pretty consistently, I think he's capable of doing that with relative ease. And so if you have that there, and you know that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are going to average 30, then you don't need that much else. Aiton will get some points naturally. And then they added a mix of different veterans. Uh, Eric Gordon, they I don't think they retained Jock Landale, but uh, they had, they like Devin Eubanks there, or Drew Eubanks, that's, that's the one. Um, they've got some other guys like Yuta Watanabe and Katie Bates-Diop, and uh, they drafted, like, the player that they drafted they like. Uh, there, there's reasons to believe that the Suns will challenge Denver. And especially when Denver doesn't have Bruce Brown, that is going to be a big part of this conversation. Like, who guards who in that particular matchup? Jamal Murray is going to have to guard Bradley Beal, in all likelihood, while KCP guards Devin Booker. And then you've got Aaron Gordon to guard Kevin Durant. And Michael Porter will roam on whoever the weak link is, probably. Uh, that's not a great recipe for success consistently, but you do have Christian Brown, who will be a good defender on all three of those guys. And we'll see what actually happens. But that's probably the leading candidate. The, the Celtics are the other leading candidate where they trade for Christoph Sporzingis. They give up Marcus Smart. And you look at the actual lineups that they can put together now, with the defensive combinations that they have, 
You've got Porzingis, you've got Horford, you've got Robert Williams in the front court, and then you've got Jason Tatum, who is a six foot nine small forward, and Jalen Brown, who's like a six foot seven shooting guard. And you've got some size. Like Derek White is a really good defensive guard. He would be helpful against a guy like Jamal Murray. They can put together some lineups that are really, really impressive and space Denver out on the offensive end or like the defensive end to the point where Tatum has a one-on-one against Nikola Jokic a lot of the time. And Tatum has proven that he can go at Joel Embiid in that same way. So I'm curious to see whether Jokic would handle that better or worse. Probably worse, which means that Denver's offense has to be better. And that is a that's a tall task, despite the fact that uh, I know that Denver's capable of it. So we'll be interesting to see whether the Celtics actually make it there or not. I think that they will. I wouldn't put my money on the Bucks. I wouldn't put my money on the Sixers or the Knicks or the uh, maybe the Heat again. Like I, I think the Heat could make it back, but it's probably the Heat or the Celtics to actually make it to the NBA Finals. And if Dame does get traded, I'm surprised that people didn't say Dame and, and didn't say the Heat in opponents that could give Denver trouble. Because if they do trade for Dame, which I think is a pretty strong possibility, obviously, then that is a that is a pretty strong team because they're not going to give up a lot. Like they're they're going to give up maybe Hero, who didn't even play in that series against Denver. Uh, Lowry will play less. They've lost Gabe Vincent. They lost Max Struess. But I do think that if they got Dame, you've got some really, really interesting pieces against with the Heat. But they did not make this list. The other most common opponents that did make this list are the Milwaukee Bucks. The Minnesota Timberwolves I was caught off guard by, but a lot of people said the Minnesota Timberwolves based off of what they've done, based off of how they've built and how impressed people are with Anthony Edwards. Uh, You've got the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. Those were the four others that people managed or that they mentioned. I think that the Bucks being on this list, obviously, that would be you get to the NBA Finals and you see Giannis on the other side. Giannis is, of course, a massive competitor. He would fight very hard. And if you have Brooke Lopez as one of the other bigs, uh, that's a that's a good tandem to match up with Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic in the front court. Now the Nuggets have had success against the Bucks in their time, but if the Bucks are with playoff intensity in those moments, then I could absolutely see them really putting up a fight or just being the better team flat out. Do I think that that's going to happen? No, but I think it's possible. The T Wolves. They actually held down Nikola Jokic a little bit more than other teams. Jamal Murray was just getting used to the playoffs, so he put up a couple of strong, strong performances in that series, and then a couple of duds. I think that as he continues to get more consistent, they're going to have to put Anthony Edwards on Jamal Murray more and more. Uh, they also might put Jade McDaniels on him, and that would be an interesting matchup for sure. But Michael Porter Jr. then has opportunities to go off. That's always going to be a thing. And I just don't know if I trust Carl Anthony Towns. Like, that's a, that's a big piece of this with the T-Wolves. If they were to trade Towns for some sort of other ball-handling wing or guard, then I'd feel a lot better about it. But right now, their, their roster just doesn't make a lot of sense. If it was Jada McDaniels and Rudy Gobert in the front court, along with, I don't know, hypothetically, let's say they traded Carl Anthony Towns for Paul George straight up. Like if it was Paul George next to Anthony Edwards, I feel really good about that if I were a T-Wolves fan. 
I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that that's in the cards, but something like that would make more sense. And then the Lakers, I here's here's the big problem with the Lakers. They're just going to get worse. Like they're not getting better. They're not like Reeves if he was to become an all-star, like that that's a little bit different. I don't see that happening. I think he gets a little bit inflated obviously because he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers and he's a young player and he gets a lot of fouls and that people see that and they see the success of the free throw line they're like, "All right, cool. That's that's a that's a young star right there." I don't see that. But I do see the Lakers as long as they have LeBron and AD, they don't need that much more around those guys to be successful. They're hoping that the mix that they have now that features Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, Gabe Vincent, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince, like they hope that that's the right role player mix. Whether it is or not, I don't know. I think they're fine. I think that they were probably the third or fourth best team in the Western Conference last year, and they just made it because they're in the weaker bracket. Uh, I think the Suns were better. I I don't know. They are they're okay. They they are still a threat, but not a strong threat. And the Warriors also, they do not have the size. Like Kevon Looney did a great job against Amantis Sabonis, but when he went up against Nikola Jokic the previous year, he was barbecue chicken. They had to go all offense with Draymond Green at center and then play off of the other guys that Jokic was playing with consistently. And uh, that that was a recipe for success against Denver without Murray and Porter. Don't think that that is the same recipe for success. However, the theory of the practice with the Warriors is that their young guys, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, I don't remember who else is young on that team. It was Jordan Poole and James Wiseman for a while, but those guys are now gone. Um, if those guys hit, if those guys improve in tangible ways, then it could be a little bit different. If it was just Chris Paul trying to lead things and the old guard trying to carry things, that is not a recipe for success. They need more. They absolutely need more. So we will see. What is this comment? I'm trying to... Um, all right. Well, whatever. Let's go to honorable mentions. The Grizzlies and the Thunder. They are, like obviously, young teams. Job having the 25-game suspension. That's a big deal, but I do think that the Grizzlies, after trading for Marcus Smart, which makes a lot of sense for their starting lineup, uh, they have the mix that if you just get X from another big man, or if you just get somebody who's like six foot eight or six foot nine as like that that hybrid forward, then they could absolutely compete at this level. They don't have that right now, and that's a big problem. They don't have a guy to match up with that, and that really lost them against the Los Angeles Lakers. Like that was that was a big reason why they lost. They didn't have like they Jake Laravia, Santi Aldama, David Roddy, all those guys that they added, Zaire Williams, none of them really made a difference. They had to go to Xavier Tillman. And that was not the right call. They needed more. So I'm very curious to see what ultimately happens with the Grizzlies, whether they could actually get that guy or not. The Thunder is the interesting one. And they're probably not going to really make a step forward. Like they're still so young that they are behind the eight ball a little bit when it comes to 
um, when it actually comes to competing this upcoming year. I think that Shea is ready. I think that Giddy is close to ready. I don't think that Jalen Williams is ready, uh, J-Dub. I don't think that Chet Holmgren is going to be ready. That's probably your most important two uh, to get up to to get up to speed. Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren. I think that they, if they can get those guys up to speed and those guys are ready sooner rather than later, then this conversation might be a little different. Maybe they challenge for a top four seed in the West and you suddenly look up and the Thunder have 50 wins. And that is a as a pretty scary sight given all of the future first round draft picks that they have. I think that they can continue to rise. And if they do end up making a trade where you start to really condense some of those assets a little bit, that could change the perspective really quickly. So we will see what they ultimately do, what ultimately happens with them. But I think that that is probably the list. So in conclusion, health is the most important thing for Denver. Then the opponents that are probably going to give them the most trouble, the Suns and the Celtics, followed by the Bucks, the T-Wolves, the Lakers, and the Warriors, and then the Grizzlies and the Thunder. This is, again, this is according to Nuggets fans. My actual opinions are, I've shared them mostly, but I think the Lakers will probably be higher on that list a little bit. And the Grizzlies, if they are to uh, find that six foot eight guy that they can trust, that is a that is a very dangerous team. So we will see what happens. But for now, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, uh, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. I really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Not sure if I'm going to be podcasting on Friday. Uh, there's some things that are coming up, and I've got a got a couple of things that I would like to get to this weekend that are non-basketball related. So we'll see about that. But for now, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Let me know who your favorite player and your best player of the 2020s is if it's not Nikola Jokic. I expect it to be Nikola Jokic, but we'll see. Hit that like button on the way out. I'll talk to you guys very soon.